Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on a Monday. Great to be with you. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News, and uh, we're hitting all kinds of uh, fun stuff today. But I want to do a quick recap uh, going back to the weekend and the uh, state conventions for uh, office. And uh, very pleased to be joined now by Derek Brown, who is the uh, chairman of the Utah Republican Party. Derek, uh, glad that you are alive and survived convention. That's always a sketchy proposition, uh, but thanks for joining us on a Monday. Well, we're, we're setting our, our expectations well if it's just to be alive. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Well, you you had quite a weekend. Uh, the first ever uh, virtual convention in the state of Utah, and uh, I I am sure there were a, a host of things. I, I know that there were a few moments where uh, I was going to actually have you, you come on to the music of Piano Man or Winging a Prayer. You you actually took to the piano keys uh, to buy yourself oh, you a little time through the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you, we did the uh, the broadcast of the of the results in a studio, and we had things set up, and it takes a little while. I mean, the results are not instantaneous. It takes a little while. We had a lot of people getting impatient, and there happened to be a piano right there. And so we turned the camera over. I got on the piano and uh, played some numbers and uh, took requests, of, provided that they then mowed the, the party money. And we raised about as much money as we normally raise at a regular convention by passing the can around. So, so I'm pleased with that result. <laughs> hey, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. You had a little jar out there and uh, raised some money for the party. That's a good thing. So tell me about uh, tell me about some of the uh, the things that, that went well. Uh, what surprised you in, in doing this all online? Uh, what were some of the lessons learned? Well, I mean, one of, the, one of the main lessons is the fact that we can incorporate technology into this convention and caucus process. Um, you know, we, we had 3,580 delegates that participated. Wow. So of the, of the list of delegates that we got from the counties, that's 93%. And at the very beginning of this process, everyone said, oh, you're only going to get, you know, what, maybe half? I mean, how many people are actually going to participate? Well, we had 93% statewide that participated. And what was great is that most of the delegates that I talked to, almost all of them, you know, the biggest problem, love, love the process, the biggest problem we had were delegates who had never downloaded an app. And there were some out there, and we had a, a team of uh, a help desk that, that walked them through that process, um, helped them do that. But in the end, I mean, we, 
had a, most of the delegates who participated said afterwards, this is the best convention we've ever had. And in fact, I just got a call from the governor who made that his wife the delegate, and she said, why do we go back? You know, is there a way that we can take the lessons we've learned and incorporate them into future conventions where you don't have to sit in a room with 4,000 people for 10 hours, but, but utilize technology to do the same thing? Yeah. So we're, we're thinking that through right now. It's amazing. Uh, necessity always is the uh, the mother of invention, and I, I think you put that to yes, fully to the test uh, over the course of this. One of the interesting components to this uh, was the the use of uh, of rank choice voting, and uh, give us a little insight into that. Obviously, as someone who's watched a lot of these conventions, uh, they can really shift, you know, on a on a speech in between rounds, or you know, the the influence that's going on on the floor as someone's trying to get maybe a, a candidate who's just been knocked out to to move over to their camp. Uh, how did the rank choice voting uh, play out? Do you think, and uh, what are the challenges of that uh, kind of system moving forward? Well, I I actually love the process, and for those who aren't familiar with it, what what we do in a convention normally is we'll have. You know, we have a first congressional district race this year with 12 candidates. And so everybody gives a speech for four or five minutes. You vote. If no one gets 60 percent, the bottom person drops out, and then they go back, give speeches again, and you vote again. And as you can imagine, with 12 candidates, that could take, you know, that could take two or three hours. Yeah. And so what we do is on the ballot, we simply list all 12, and then you vote them in order of preference. Here's my first choice. Here's my second choice. Here's my third choice. The idea being that if we were in a fourth round, who would you choose if your if your number one candidate weren't there? Well, you choose your fourth pick, and so ultimately, what it did is it allowed that whole process to take place instantaneously, and so it was very efficient. And the other thing I liked is that if you had a three-hour you know convention issue with you know just one one election and twelve rounds, by the seventh or eighth or ninth round, a lot of delegates would leave. Right. And in this case, they all stayed because every one of them voted. So it's it's been a learning experience, but just about everyone that I talked to who did this preferred using ranked choice voting to the old-fashioned method of having round after round where, you know, there could be some games. And, boy, you've seen how those games kind of get oh, yeah. played from, <laughs> from round to round. None of those games. And nobody left at round fifth, five or six or seven because everyone voted. Uh, that's uh, that's fascinating. We'll do a deeper dive on that one uh, in the in the months ahead because I do think there's some really fascinating components to that. If you're just joining us, we've got uh, Derek Brown from the Utah Republican Party on the line uh, who survived the, the first virtual uh, convention uh, here in the state of Utah. The Democrats did the same and seemed to do well. Uh, and so now I want to pivot, Derek. Uh, now we move forward. We've got about eight weeks uh, to the primary. It's a late June, very late June uh, primary and obviously the, the those that survived and those that got on the ballot by way of signature uh, they're entering a new phase now but there's still all kinds of challenges given the coronavirus world that we're in at the moment what are you looking for what do you hope for uh, for those competing in the Republican primary in June well when you have that many candidates I mean I, I hope for the fact that uh, I mean we've had a, a pretty high level of civility among the candidates. Uh, something actually, Lloyd, on that note that I just mentioned with ranked choice voting is it forces candidates to be civil because it's, you know, a lot of times the person who wins isn't the first choice of everyone, but it's everyone's second choice. Right. And so we saw that in, in, in the convention, and I'm hoping we, we see that in the primary. And, and I've had a lot of uh, national media that have called 
me and said, hey, apparently in Utah you're doing this vote-by-mail thing. How, does that actually work? Is that new? And, you know, we've been doing it for 10 years here in Utah, right. and our clerks have done a great job of sort of pioneering this system. So, so the nice thing is we are set up as a state for primary elections, and it, it, we're set up perfectly to do what we need to do uh, with the coronavirus issue going on right now, because these candidates have all been campaigning to delegates online with social media, Zoom calls, mail, you know, that kind of thing. They're going to keep doing that. And then the voting doesn't need to be in person because everyone in Utah is going to get a primary ballot in about five or six weeks. And so, I mean, I, I think Utah is really ahead of the curve on this one. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Derek Brown joining us from the Utah Republican Party uh, survived the first virtual convention here in the state and uh, Derek I, I'd say you can uh, kick your feet up for at least 12 minutes and uh, have a diet coke and then uh, get back at it so <laughs> but thanks for joining us today I, thanks Brian. I appreciate it <laughs> all right again that's Derek Brown uh, really a monster ever by both parties over the weekend and really well done showing once again that there there is a Utah model and a Utah way that works and the rest of the nation should take note. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. When we come back, we're going to round out our day of the significant of small, uh, the bigness of little and how every one of us can make a difference. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor, Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.